0: People who rank above us have a very simplistic view at the same topic. And when people open our page and their page, they say, okay, this article is like 500 words, a few images, I can consume it in three minutes. This guide will take me like three hours to consume. Let me close this three-hour guide and read this 500 words article.
1: Welcome B2B startups, changeups, scaleups, scale-ups, and grown-ups. This is the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. Let's do this. My guest today is Tim Solo. He is the Chief Marketing Officer and a Product Advisor at Ahrefs an industry-leading SEO tool powered by big data with almost 10 years of practical experience in SEO and digital marketing. Uh, Tim also shares a lot of information online, gives live talks, he has a YouTube channel, Uh, he writes for the Ahrefs blog, Um, and I am grateful to have him with us today on this podcast. Tim, welcome. Thanks a lot for inviting me, Eric. So how are things in Singapore?
0: Uh, we're doing fine. <laughs> we have winter here, which is not much different from summer, to be honest. Uh, but in, to- in terms of the pandemic and stuff, uh, the Singapore government has imposed pretty strict lockdowns the very beginning of it. So uh, all this time, while while other countries have uh, exited their lockdown and entered the new one, we're still exiting the first one. So uh, in terms of that, it's super safe and super good.
1: Well, we're going to talk about domain authority, artificial intelligence, and conversion rate optimization best practices. But first, if you want to make this the year that you get good at lead generation, download my new white paper on the 10 Essential Digital Marketing Skills to Master. Digital marketing is a broad discipline, and this white paper gives you an overview of the most important skills you need to develop in order of importance to be successful in digital marketing. And you can get it at ericschwartzman.com forward slash essential skills. So Tim, I wanna start with a discussion about AI. And I mean, if we just think for a moment about Moore's Law, every 18 months, processing power doubles. And so that's an exponential change. It's getting better all the time. How do you guys see artificial intelligence changing search engine optimization?
0: Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I'm afraid I'm not Elon Musk to, uh, to have enough credibility to talk about artificial intelligence. Uh, but like uh, in regards to the Moore's Law, uh, when the technology, the, the processing power of the computers is doubled, so what I know, uh, what I know from our backend team, the guys who are in charge of uh, our infrastructure, our servers, and uh, how uh, everything performs at Hrefs, is that we are constantly upgrading to new hardware, and we are investing a lot of money there because it really does give an edge. So uh, what, like uh, this is how uh, this is a joke by our uh, CEO and founder Dmitry. He says that. Uh, What Hrefs is doing today with like crawling the internet, storing the data, et cetera, et cetera. In 10 years, uh, students would be doing in universities as part of their diploma or something. So what is like a huge company uh, today based on like some kind of uh, technology edge that we have over some other competitors would be commonplace uh, in a few years. So yeah, technology is going forward and uh, it gets easier and easier to process large quantities of data. So what it means for SEO, uh, it means that search engines would be getting smarter and smarter. They would be able to process more information. They would be able to factor in more ranking factors and they will be able to blend it in more sophisticated ways. So basically the word more is... uh, uh, equals like the what, what AI means to to search engine optimization. Everything will get uh, more more complicated and uh, hopefully more useful as a result. More useful for consumers.
1: Um, so there's obviously a big difference between artificial general intelligence, which refers to a machine being just as smart as a human, and something like a neural network, which could make decisions in a defined uh, scenario fairly accurately without really needing to sp- understand language or, or, or understand meaning. Um, and we know also that Google uh, is using a panel of librarians to uh, test their AI and, and try to get it smarter. Have you guys given some thought to like what limitations Google might face with respect to applying AI to its search algorithm? Uh, yeah, and yeah. this is
0: uh, quite a technical question and uh, I'm afraid I'm not the, uh, I, I'm not working on the technical side uh, of HF, So it, it would be best if uh, one of our uh, backend guys would answer it. Uh, but what I'm seeing is that these days it is still quite challenging uh, to process data at large scale. So what I've noticed uh, while working with other team, uh, at the scale of the entire internet, for example, we have this keyword difficulty metric, uh, which we calculate for each search query, how hard it would be to rank for it, and we do it based on uh, how many backlinks the top 10 ranking pages have. But we have to do it at scale. We have to do it for hundreds of millions of, of queries. And what I understand is with every level of uh, sophistication. So right now we only factor in backlinks. A lot of people are asking us, why don't you factor in the domain authority, the domain rating of the domain that the page belongs to, to make the formula of KD calculation a little bit more complicated. So this requires a lot more processing power right now. And uh, in 2021, well, maybe today it becomes like feasible. But then uh, you can add more complexity to this formula. For example, you can uh, you can factor in like the length of the content, or you can start factoring in like the usage of certain keywords. Uh, uh, TF, TF ADF and those other factors, making the formula of uh, keyword difficulty calculation uh, more and more sophisticated. And that requires a lot more computing power. And, and, yeah, I'm just talking about computing power. I'm not even talking about neural networks uh, or any of those things. And I believe uh, those things also require a lot of computing power. So, yeah, it, today we see that a lot of people, uh, quote-unquote, hobbyists, Go to uh, Udemy or Skillshare, take machine learning course and start playing with those things on their computer. It becomes accessible. Like uh, anyone can, can learn the basics and like train neural network to do something. But as soon as you apply it to the scale of the entire web, it requires a lot of processing power. And that is very expensive. So uh, I'm not very familiar with how, for example, uh, Amazon Web Services would cost you. But I know that our own server infrastructure for storing the entire web uh, is very expensive. Uh, so, yeah, these days only a few companies can pull this off because it requires a lot of investment. But with time, yeah, it would, it would, get, it would get more accessible and uh, uh, neural networks would,
1: would handle more and more data. Well, if there's one company that could pull it off, it'd be Google. Uh, Well, for sure. (laughs) So so do you think ultimately AI makes technical SEO obsolete? Uh, In what sense? Well, we spend so much time thinking about canonical tags and Mm. all this technical mumbo-jumbo to try to get our pages to either load faster or have better search visibility. And it seems like there's always been sort of two tribes, sort of the technical SEO tribe and the content tribe. And they've always been arguing about which one is more important. And so my question is, will, S- will AI change the game entirely for both of them, whereby neither of them are right anymore? Now it just becomes about authority expertise, and trustworthiness? Uh, I think this is a
0: great question, and it is a very fair concern. Uh, because if you think about it, Google Google's goal is to surface the best information. These days, there's quite a bit of technical skill required to make your information accessible to Google, especially if we're not talking about uh, simple blogs, but large website, e-commerce website, a website with like uh, millions of pages, for example, booking.com and, and those kind of things that require like a lot of technical acumen to, to pull them off. But again, back to Google's goal to surface best information, what they understand is the vast majority of people online are not technical. So you can be uh, a doctor, you can be a lawyer, or you can have all sorts of technical skills and you want to put them online for people to benefit from what you know. So sometimes Google can identify that a person did a mistake here, so I'm not going to follow their like technical directive. I'm going to do it as it kind of supposed to be. So yeah, uh, I think your question about technical SEO uh, becoming obsolete uh, makes sense. And I see people in our industry, in the industry of SEO tools, trying to solve it from their end, Uh, Because I see some services which create some kind of SEO uh, delivery network, uh, kind of like a content delivery network where you connect your website and they would serve your images and your files from a bunch of servers from all around the world so so that your site would load faster uh, from uh, any location. In the same way, I see people creating uh, SEO delivery networks where you connect your website uh, and it is being served through a server And this server will fix some of the issues for you. So you don't need to fix uh, something, for example, like internal links. So this server can do automatic interlinking between your pages instead of you doing it manually yourself. So yeah, I see SEOs trying to solve this problem of people not being technical and having technical issues uh, from their side. And they ensure that Google is doing this from their side. They also try to understand what kind of issues people might be making with their websites. Uh, and uh, kind of disregard those uh, to to surface the quality
1: information on top? So this is kind of a far-out question. And I, I know you're not a technical guy. I'm not asking for a technical yeah. answer. But I just wanted to uh, ask you this question and see what your thoughts are about this. So, you know, President Donald Trump gets visibility online by appealing to the prejudices of ordinary people rather than by using rational arguments. Can you see a way to develop an algorithm that could discount this type of propaganda? Uh, This is an amazing question, uh,
0: but let me stay away from it specifically, so I won't uh, make any comments on on Trump. Uh, I will give you a very similar example. What we've noticed from our own work Uh, So whenever there's a search query that you want to address and rank there, we know that Google would likely rank whatever people want to click, whatever people want to consume. And people usually want to consume something that is easy, that doesn't require a lot of effort to consume. So where I'm going with this... Uh, we try to publish long researched articles with a lot of useful ideas that are kind of hard to comprehend in some way. But if you do this, you'll have an edge over anyone else who is learning about the topic. And we struggle to rank with those pages. And the reason we struggle to rank is because People who rank above us have a very simplistic view at the same topic. And when people open our page and their page, they say, okay, this article is like 500 words, a few images, I can consume it in three minutes. This guide will take me like three hours to consume. Let me close this three-hour guide and read this 500 words article. Google, Google sees that and Google thinks that, okay, this 500 words article is better. So it should rank higher. And this creates this bubble. So I think what you're asking to Donald Trump is kind of similar. It's not about uh, what people react to. It's about what is useful, what is actually useful for people uh, in the long run. How to solve this issue, uh, I wish I knew. So this is a very good question. I, the answer is I don't know.
1: There uh, was a paper circulated um, several months ago from Google about um, determining page quality ratings. And in the paper, uh, they say that they use expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness to determine quality. How should SEOs be looking at that information and addressing that and incorporating that in their search uh, strategy? yeah, so I believe there's a lot of debate.
0: Some SEOs actually hate uh, this, this notion of Google uh, using those things as ranking factors. Uh, but at the same time, again, uh, from my own perspective, uh, working with, uh, with our team that crawls the entire internet, I see that uh, we don't, like Google as, as well as ourselves, uh, don't necessarily need to look at the links to identify if a page has some quality, if other pages are voting for it. But yeah, we can see, we can identify the author of the page, for example, Tim Solo, uh, and we can see if this author is being mentioned on other pages and not necessarily in the guest posts that this person is writing. For example, you can have a column at Entrepreneur.com or Forbes.com or whatever. This is one thing, but Google understands that you're creating this content yourself. But there's another instance where people are mentioning your name uh, and it becomes kind of like an entity. Well, everyone in SEO has heard of, of the concepts of, uh, concept of entities. And this entity can have a certain weight. So if this entity then appears as an author of some piece, that piece m- very, may w- very well have, uh, have some, uh, some advantage over article that is written by a person who doesn't have this amount of mentions online. Other than that, think about it, Google uh, owns the information about search. So people are searching, uh, again, for Donald Trump, for Gary Vaynerchuk, and for a lot of people uh, that that do something uh, meaningful. Uh, And therefore, they again, based on how many people are searching for a certain name, they can also give some points of... uh, authority to this name. And then again, you have Twitter, uh, which is also an interesting social network. And we don't know how exactly uh, Google might incorporate the data that they have from Twitter, because Twitter is also a very good indication of person's uh, authority, person's reach, because if if a lot of people are following uh, someone's account, if they interact with it, uh, it means that this account has, uh, as they say, some cloud. So Google might factor, like, I'm just making theories. I'm not necessarily saying that all these things are in place, but I'm just trying to make a case for authority being an actual computational ranking factor, something that that it is uh, rather easy to compute and factor in uh, in the ranking algorithm. So two answers. First, I don't know if they actually use this thing or not. Second, it can be done
1: quite easily. I just completed a public affairs report with a strategy for winning support for climate action in the US. Now, unfortunately, climate has been politicized in the US by deniers who are backed by big oil and coal companies. My new paper outlines how to win support in a political environment where the messenger has become more important than the message. If you're communicating science in a polluted information environment and you need a way to get your message to resonate with members of the opposing tribe, download my free public affairs guide to winning support for climate action at ericschwartzman.com forward slash climate action. Tim, let's switch gears over to digital marketing and let's talk for a minute about lead generation. Um, what's the best way to convert traffic into leads?
0: Uh, thanks for the question. The best way, of course, is when people come to you with the pain and you have the best pain painkiller they could wish for, uh, which is actually a metaphor for organic search. When people have a problem, uh, they would go and search for it on Google. Uh, and if you rank in Google and you have a proper solution, uh, which fits uh, which fits the, their budget, uh, which fits their expectations, uh, and whatever else they are expecting from it, uh, you're going to get a conversion. So the, the, uh, SEO is basically the, the best way uh, to to get to get leads that with high propensity to buy.
1: Now, I see on the Ahrefs site, you guys have a bot there in the, in the right-hand corner. How do bots, are bots a good way to convert traffic into customer data? So uh,
0: <laughs> Since we are not uh, a company that makes money from creating or selling bots, uh, I'm not going to advocate for them. Uh, which you often see from the company. Like, uh, we're we're doing SEO. This is why I'm a huge advocate in SEO. Otherwise, I wouldn't work in this industry. I don't want in the chatbot industry, so it kind of makes sense why I kind of don't support it and they don't understand it. So for me, uh, as a consumer, uh, I had my share of conversations with all sorts of bots. I never enjoyed it. And uh, while I'm not enjoying something, I cannot vouch for it. So, my personal opinion uh, as a consumer, not even as a digital marketer, but as a consumer, and when I'm doing digital marketing, I'm I'm trying to pass the experiences through myself. Would I react to this kind of thing? Is it valuable, useful, entertaining for me? So, the answer for me is no. I don't like chatbots. I like talking to, to real humans other than chatbots. They are very rarely useful these days. But back to our conversation with neural networks, artificial intelligence and such, I'm pretty sure that in a few years uh, the technology would be so advanced that training those chatbots to a level where they would provide meaningful answers to people's queries uh, would be like ubiquitous. So anyone could uh, could be able to hook up a neural network Uh, to the history of their their support team chats. And the neural network will learn uh, from the questions that people were asking asking and how support representatives have responded to those questions. But then again, the question is, if there is a neural network uh, that can provide uh, useful answers uh, to pressing questions that your customers are asking you, why don't you solve these questions before people even answer that, ask them? So this is an interesting question. And another, another thing is that people always ask new questions that haven't been asked before. For example, here at HRFs, we keep releasing new features uh, which neural network cannot know about because this is a new feature. And when this new feature, when something happens to it, when it breaks, or people don't understand how to use it. There is no input for neural network uh, to serve these kinds of questions. So yeah, uh, for for common question stuff, it is possible that chatbots uh, would would do the job. But there's still
1: plenty of room
0: for humans for human interactions.
1: Sure, but you think about like lead generation as the piece of the journey where you where the person's at the site. And you're going to get their email information. You're going to capture some customer information and get a lead out of the deal that you can nurture. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I know you guys do the software trials, the low low cost software trials. So, you know, what big lessons have you learned about the best ways to generate SaaS software trials from traffic? How do you take someone who's coming to the site and get them to sign up? Uh, and I ask so you, I ask I, you, Tim. I ask you as the CMO, not so much as you know a representative of a of AA Trust, because everybody knows you guys. You're you're you're. Everybody loves you guys. Anyone who's in. SEO knows you guys already. And anyone who's listening to this podcast knows you guys already. And I think what my listeners really want to know from you as as the guy who's driving the ship from a demand generation standpoint at a major company, you know, what have you learned about converting traffic into into leads and and revenue? Uh, Thanks for the question.
0: So before I answer it, I need to disclose that we are in a very unique position. We're not a venture-backed company. We don't have any specific audacious uh, year-over-year growth goals. Uh, So it's up to our CEO and founder, Dmitry, how he wants the company to grow, how he wants to invest money uh, and all that, which means we get to pick and choose the the strategies that we are using for lead generation based on how many leads we want to generate and what we are willing to do to generate those leads. So uh, now the answer to the question, the way we generate leads is purely through that organic SEO traffic that I was talking about. We try to address every SEO-related search query there is. Whenever people search about something where hrefs can be useful for them. We try to be there, which means we don't even need any human interaction for people to convert. They just come to our website, they consume our information, they figure out that whatever they were searching for could be solved with hrefs, and they sign up by themselves. So we don't, don't, I know that other companies, for example, here in Singapore, we have office of HubSpot, uh, and they have some friends working at HubSpot, marketing, marketing friends. And they know that their marketing is different in a sense that their marketing department has to generate uh, those SQLs, sales qualified leads. And they do this uh, via, for example, creating webinars and promoting those webinars with paid traffic. So that when people sign up for the webinars, they fill uh, the registration form like what's what's your position, what's your company type, blah blah blah, and then they pass those leads to the sales team that can uh, pick up the phone and call those people. So we are not this kind of company. We don't have these kinds of leads that someone would follow up to. We don't even have any email nurturing sequence where people where we don't have like a pop up form on our blog like. To try and sign up and uh, get more email subscribers, because later we have some email nurturing sequence that would convert them to HREFs. And the reason for that is whenever a person searches for something, for the problem that they have, and they land on our article, what is more important for us to explain them how to solve their problem and pitch HREFs tools along the way, or distract them from their initial goal? with some shiny here's like ebook with marketing trends for 2021 so that they would go to our email list and then uh, we'll try to, I don't know, segment them and send them some email nurturing that would convert them. So we think, we believe, uh, we don't really track this because we are not very obsessive with our analytics, but we believe that when a person with a problem searches for something and lands on your article, it is important for them to actually consume, read this article, and find out solution to their problem. And if that solution requires them to sign up for our product.
1: We are getting ourselves a lead. When you think about, um, uh, you know, I I know you've done some, you did a video recently about guest blogging and there seems to be a lot of um, confusion in the marketplace about what guest blogging even is. I've always considered guest blogging to be pitching the editor of a real publication to a story, and then you know, working hard to write a story that they'll take, and usually editing it and getting it right for them, in, in exchange for a link and a byline, uh, not so much for referral traffic as for the inbound link and the uh, it, uh, implied association uh, and endorsement of having a, a piece on a on a high-profile site like a Venture Beat or. Um, you know, a tech crunch, you know, a real site. Um, so, so having said that, for, for the client, for the Ahrefs client who's trying to figure out where they should be trying to guest post, you know, what sort of blogs or, or websites should they be pitching? How do you go about evaluating uh, which sites are the right ones for you? Uh, this is a great question.
0: Uh, it really depends on your goals because as you said, uh, you might want a link or you might want the credibility of, uh, getting your work published at a high profile publication, uh, or you might want, uh, to spread the word about the story, uh, that you have, that you have, uh, within your company or whatnot. So yeah, it really depends. Your choice of uh, targets for guest blogging really depends on what you're trying to achieve. Uh, that said, uh, I I want to warn people in regards to uh, guest blogging for links only, <laughs> because uh, just yesterday I was talking to one of my friends uh, who had a manual action on his website uh, because he was accepting paid guest articles. So Google basically basically penalized his website. He lost like most of his traffic. And obviously uh, they told him that we are are doing the manual action because you have manipulative links on your website. You are uh, apparently allowing other people to write paid guest posts for you. And we are going to discount those links as well. So those people who spend their time writing those articles or paying for those articles basically get nothing now because my friend's site was penalized. So where I'm going with that is that whatever kind of goal you have with your guest blogging, you still have to retain a certain level of quality where you understand that this content is something that is worthy of being consumed by, some, by someone. Because when I opened my friend's website and uh, checked some of his latest articles, they are garbage. They're something that was written by, uh, I don't know, uh, a freelancer on Fiverr
1: yeah, uh, for sure. $5. But, and, like for f- if you're sitting down with a sophisticated client who understands, you know, that they're not going to be buying posts, they're actually going to pitch, you know, I write for Adweek, I write for VentureBeat, I write for major publications in exchange for those backlinks. If you were talking to a, a, a client Uh, of Ahrefs and they're maybe a B2B or some niche and they're they're saying, hey, how do I figure out who I should be pitching? How do they do that? Uh, Okay. Uh, So
0: basically it all boils down to what do you have to say and if the publication that you want to get a link from or want to get published at, is interested in what you have to say. And again, this also boils back to the
1: problem uh, conversation about, about domain authority. authority. Just like domain authority. Like if my intention is to get links from um, domains that have enough authority to boost my ranking, what am I looking for? Am I looking for domain authority, page authority, links? Well, what should I be looking for? <sighs>
0: Okay, so uh, it appears that all this time you were pointing me uh, to domain authority uh, discussion. And uh, actually the fact that I was uh, unconsciously avoiding mentioning domain authority speaks something about the approach that we're advocating. Uh, And another thing uh, is another important thing for SEO, SEO people and especially SEO newbies to understand is that Uh, the ranking boost that you have from backlinks doesn't come from the domain authority necessarily. It comes from the page authority, which means that you can publish a guest article on TechCrunch and it would would be buried somewhere deep in their website where no no one would ever read it, no one would ever link to it. And the page authority would be small, even though the domain authority of TechCrunch is high. At the same time, you can write for some local publication, for example, in your city, about some event or whatnot, and have a link from this publication. And the article would be so awesome that all the like major news outlets, I don't know, CNBC, BBC, New York Times would reference this article like, here's what happened in the city, Uh, this is the source. So your guest article will pick up a lot of high-authority links of its own, and the page authority of this specific page would be high. So in the end, uh, your guest post on low-authority website would result in a much more useful link for you uh, than than your guest post on high-authority website. So bottom line, yes, domain authority is kind of a proxy of the the quality of your link. Because again, uh, an article published at TechCrunch has many more chances to generate exposure, to get views, and therefore to attract some of its own links, as opposed to an article on some uh, publication that no one knows. But then, if you think of the concept of page rank where like uh, the links are counted between pages, not between websites. So you're not getting a link from the homepage of TechCrunch. You're getting a, a link from some internal link at TechCrunch. So at this point, uh, it boils down to your ability to generate buzz and to generate incoming links to your guest article. So wh- when, wherever you feel you'd be better at this, because I can write article for Forbes, I think uh, they, they actually recently no-followed all their uh, outgoing links because of how SEOs abused their website with their guest articles. So it wasn't that hard to get your article published at, at Forbes, but because like everyone was doing this, those articles uh, were buried. But then, for example, if, I'm, if I have a startup uh, in a web design industry, there's uh, a very authoritative publication, Smashing Magazine, So it is not as popular as TechCrunch because it is very niche. But if I would publish a great guest article there and it would pick up some some relevant links, uh, the value of this link would be higher. So yeah, domain authority is important, but it is only the the first filter before you make all all sorts of other decisions in terms of uh, how how
1: good your link will end up uh, being. So final question... You know, SEO, organic search marketing is a marathon. You know, it's a process, it's never ending, you're never done. But because technology is changing so quickly, you're running a marathon on a course that's changing. And you don't really know where the destination is because by the time you get there, technology could have changed everything. So if you're talking to the client that's looking 18 months two years, three years out, from a search strategy standpoint. And they say to you, Tim, what do I do today to make sure that my search ranking is has, is high and I have authority and I'm Google's preferred brand in SERPs three years out? Uh, great question.
0: Uh, and actually, uh, it's... Uh to go back to our previous conversation with uh, artificial intelligence and where you asked if, if I think that artificial intelligence would kind of eliminate the need for technical SEO because Google will be able to find, uh, figure out that you're making mistakes and still rank your stuff. Uh, so, yeah, like, to be honest, no major changes have been happening to SEO in the past, like, 10 to 15 years. The, the goal of Google was still to find the, the best content for the topic and to rank it at the top. So people who were, who were prioritizing creating amazing content, building their credibility and authority in the community, creating their own brand and not paying attention to any specific content. SEO tips were winning all the time. The the answer to the question how to be safe in, in three years from now is to keep doing those same basic things to keep producing the content that is actually valuable, to create an audience of your own, which would keep supporting you and which which would help you to generate exposure links, create your useful, valuable, memorable brand, which people would be searching for, again, giving Google some clues that these guys are doing something important and we need to rank them higher. But yeah, there's one caveat, and this is Google themselves, because as we know, uh, there's a trend that Google wants to Uh, leave people on their search page other than sending them somewhere with those featured snippets, knowledge panels, where they basically scrape the information from other websites and display it in their search results. And I'm afraid no one is safe from that. You can be like creating amazing content. You can be building your brand and all that. But one day Google decides to create their their own in this industry and they might use a neural network to read all the content there is and create their content which would be, uh, like, uh, comprised of everything, which is kind of what people are doing by hand. You read works by other people, you piggyback from them, you create your own piece. This can be done automatically by neural network uh, in a few years' time. So no one is really safe uh, in sense of getting traffic from Google for years to come. Uh, but while it still works, and especially if you have a momentum today, uh, you should be doing that. Do you think the Chinese will take the lead in AI? Well, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I'm learning Chinese. So I do think that uh, Chinese people will, uh, will have an imp- impact on uh, economy, politics, uh, like world economy and world politics in future. So I'm not I'm not
1: sure about AI, but yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, Tim Solo, Chief Marketing Officer at AHREFS out of the Singapore office. Uh, enjoy the black pepper shrimp on Orchard Road. And thank <laughs> you for joining us. Thanks a lot for coming. Thanks for listening. This is Eric Schwartzman for the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. See you next time.